It's time for the first Mackie Gab of 2023. And listener Scott brings us our quick tip of the week with, rather than press the crown and then scroll or poke around in the grid of the Apple Watch, I simply press and hold the crown and launch Siri and then tell her to launch Heart Rate or launch Workout or whatever app you need. Much easier than the grid view or the list view when scrolling around. More tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Gab 962 for January 2nd, 2023. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in tips like that. Your questions, your cool stuff found. We bring our own tips, our own cool stuff found. Sometimes even our own questions that we try and answer together, either here on the show or as a community on our Discord channel. The goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include wildgrain.com slash mgg where you can get 30 bucks off your first box plus free croissants in every box and zocdoc where you go to zocdoc.com slash mgg this is a fantastic way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment we'll talk more in depth about both of those a little bit later for now here back on the grid in durham new hampshire i'm dave hamilton and here in fearful connecticut this is John of Brown. And coming to you from the Northern Command in Franconia, New Hampshire, Pilot Pete. Thanks for having me back, guys. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year to everyone. We're here. Here we are. Of course, we're actually recording this before the New Year begins, but that's how it works. Because on the second, John and I are going to be on a plane to CES. And then, Pete, you're following us up bright and early on the morning of the third i'll be there on the third i have to be there for my daughter's birthday which is a cool birthday one two three so she's turning 20 on the second oh amazing wow yeah i i agree that you have to be there <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do I, indeed yeah that's great man indeed. that's awesome yeah it's fun to be with them and on their birthday when they still they're still around they still like they, us they still want it. to be with us on their birthdays <laughs> that's right yeah 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 exactly yeah so that's a good thing Hey, uh, speaking of quick tips, listener Paul has a tip for us related to last episode. I mentioned picture in picture uh, and we had some tips about that. Uh, And I said that YouTube picture in picture was only available for premium subscribers uh, or YouTube red or I don't know, whatever they call it now. It's not Uh, YouTube supports picture in picture on the iPhone and iPad for everyone with an asterisk. For not music videos. So if you're playing a music video, it won't go to picture in picture if you leave the YouTube app. But if you're playing anything that's not a like a movie or a how to or Mac Geek Gab, for example, that will go into picture in picture if you just leave the YouTube app. Uh, uh, and so, yeah. And then you don't have to go through machinations. Last week, we, we gave that tip where you kind of go into an app switcher. Do a so question that it, mark. Yeah, so it does well, so yeah, you do the little question mark so that it doesn't uh it, so that it doesn't go picture in picture. Well, if it does go picture in picture, you can just swipe it off to the left and it will hang out there on the left sort of off the screen. You can bring it back if you want. Uh but it, it you can you can control the picture in picture that way too. 
So yeah. thank you very much for that, Paul. Good stuff. Well, that's super nice. You can put your phone in your pocket and continue listening to your YouTube program. That's correct. What a concept. What a concept. <laughs> well, because sometimes yeah. podcasts like this one have yeah. uh, are on YouTube at, at youtube.com slash at MacGeekGab, I believe is where we are. I can't remember. Did I make it at uh, MacGeekGab or at MacGeekGab podcast? I don't know. Which one should it be? I think it probably should at Mac Geek Cab. Maybe I should. I, I'll look into that. I'll, I'll do that. But I'm not going to do it right now because, John, we have Albert in with a quick tip of his own. Yeah, I like this one. Um, and I found another one while I was verifying this. Um, in episode 961, you were talking about tapping on the icons on the Apple Watch grid view. If you rotate the digital crown while in grid view, you can zoom in or out. You can then enlarge the icons, making it much easier to tap without fear of tapping the one next to it. And yes, um, I verified this, though I don't do grid view. I do list view. But um, So I went to the grid view and uh, rotated the crown, and sure enough, uh, you can also just you know use touch to move it up, down, right, left. But yeah, the, this performs a zoom feature. But here's the other thing that I found out, Dave, is that so I was messing with this. Yeah. And I zoomed in on an app and then I zoomed in more. It like highlighted it somehow and I zoomed in more and it launched the app. So. What? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. It sure does. Interesting. I always thought it went back to the clock, but that's because I had the clock in the center. Mm. Huh. Fascinating. Yep. If you center that app up and zoom in you got it huh who knew well very nice i guess i guess uh we you figured it out yeah there you go there's there's a new thing we learned uh all right and then i think we got one more quick tip from uh from brian yeah john yes um uh let me see here all right. On a recent episode, you discussed adjusting the sensitivity of the touchpad on the Siri remote or disabling the touchpad completely. I've got a quick tip for users that don't want to disable the touchpad, but also want help with those annoying accidental occurrences when you accidentally fast forward or rewind. The back button on the remote will undo your accidental activation of the touchpad. If you accidentally hit the touchpad and you're movie jumps ahead or backwards, hit the back button, and the Apple TV will ignore the accidental activation and return you to the previous place in your movie. Huh. I'm going to have to learn that, like, in my yeah. hands. Because I, mm -hmm. like, I always get all freaked out when that happens, and I, 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 I've never thought to just breathe and hit the back button. Shooting uh, it, like, undo. Yeah. yeah. Now, the bad news in my case, Dave, is so I think I have a first-generation uh, remote, it doesn't have a back button. Yeah, a couple of listeners in our pre-show chat mentioned that if in if that's what you have, which would be the the remote with the the full uh, full width touchpad at the top of it, as opposed mm -hmm. to the circular uh, touchpad that's on the second gen and and later remotes, I guess, uh, is is that if you swipe left across that whole. Uh, pad at the top it will perform the same undo operation so that's worth okay trying i it too. thought i tried that i'll, I'll try it again try but, i um, remember i rem i had one of those not the siri remote but i had you know with my first apple tv i had that style and there was something about going edge to edge 
that was different than just swiping around in the middle. So it might be an edge to edge thing. I, I'm guessing here. If you folks know, or if you try this feedback at MacGeekab.com, let us know. We want to hear about it. So hold on. Feedback. Was that MacGeekab.com? I think. Oh, is okay. What you said. I thought he said feedback at MacGeekab.com. Well, I tried. I tried. I tried. Real quickly on that though. I, I don't think that works in all apps on the Apple TV. I tried it in channels and it didn't work for me. Mm. So it may just be in the Apple TV app itself if you're watching Apple TV content. Yes. I don't know. No, that makes so, sense. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, because different apps are going to respond to that. I mean, the back button command is, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's not sent, it's not intercepted by the active player. It's sent to the app to decide what to do right. with it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that unfortunately, I that logic makes sense to me. Yep. So. Yeah, if only it weren't weren't true. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, the nice part is maybe just ask the developer of of whichever apps you use oh, to yeah, implement. Well, channels is supposedly pretty responsive. They're so super responsive. A, yeah, so that would be especially yeah. if you point out like, hey, this is the way Apple deals with this. Can you adopt the same functionality? You know. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, and and they'd have to figure out like. Because the back button should be the back button most of the time. It's just if you do an accidental swipe, but how long after that accidental swipe does the back button, you know, stay in quote unquote undo mode versus going back to regular mode. Apple right. tests the crap out of that stuff. And that's why we, mm-hmm. one of the reasons we really like Apple devices is because yeah. of that. So, yeah, I don't know. Which they forgot to do with uh, Ventura, as I recall. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah. We'll go to last week's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're testing it for them now. This is go, this right? is the beta yes. period. Usually, by the time it gets to point one, it's it's not quite as beta y. I, I did yeah. I did find one. Uh, I, I I think I mentioned during the show that I was having some core audio jankiness uh, right. with with um, with Ventura, and I, I realized at least some of it, but definitely not all of it. It was related to running a, um, a driver, I'll call it a, a virtual audio driver called black hole, which is a lot like Soundflower used to be. It's a lot like what Loopback is when Loopback first came out. It was the latency of it wasn't quite right. So I had to use black hole. Black hole has not been updated for Ventura. The developer says that it's fine. I proved this morning that it is not fine. Uh, and so now I'm using loopback for everything and that seems to be better, but there's still moments where core audio D like spikes in CPU usage that never happened before Ventura. So right. there's, there's still, there's still some of this going on. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll get there. Hopefully Apple will get there. Yep. All right. Um, let's do, let's do some cool stuff found. Ben has, and Ben's got another URL-based, uh, you know, app chooser picker thing for us, right, John? Yeah. So, uh, uh, thanks for your recent mentions of browser choosers. I've been using Choosy for several years. I like that it offers rules to specify a browser based on the source app, destination, domain, etc. Okay. Cool. Have you tried? Do either of you guys use a browser no. picker? I do now. Yeah, it. I got. I've. I first had uh, some problems with it. It's. It's not intuitive. It's called OpenIn, but it's available yep. in Set App. Yep. So once I got 
it sorted out as to why it wasn't working. And I, you just have to dig around in the guts and play with it. And sure. but there's probably some YouTube tutorials on it, that sort of thing. But I, I got it working. So now it's nice. It comes up and says, Hey, which browser do you want? Or I can set it to work. Like when I go to StreamYard, I launch in Chrome. Yes. So, right. Know, that sort of thing. So yeah, I don't exactly. accidentally launch StreamYard in, in Safari, which is a total disaster. <laughs> It's a disaster. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it can, it can get even worse. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I like it for the, as we mentioned, for clicking on a link to a zoom meeting and having it open the zoom app, as opposed to the bonus page in Safari that says, do you want to open the zoom app? It's like, yeah, man, my meeting started 30 seconds ago. I'm late. You know? Yeah. So, right. Yep. Yeah. Hey, wasn't there, uh, now, isn't there something you have to do to get past that? Does Choosy automatically do that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, well, I don't know about Choosy. I use Velja. V-E-L-J-A. Okay. That's the first one we mentioned in the recent right. crop right. of them. And uh, Velge has been great. Yeah, it's it's it does it. I've got it on all my Macs. I don't even think about it anymore. It's cool. great. Well, and it's like if I click a Google Meet link, I, I want to do those in in Edge because Safari sucks for that stuff. And, you know, it just goes. So I don't even think it's it's it, it's forgotten about now. I configured set it and forget it. It's Ronco man. it's right. good. And it really, really catches fish. And it really catches fish. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, listener Paul, has, he blew my mind this week. And, and maybe, just maybe, he'll blow yours too. So Paul writes, you guys need Cloudflare tunnels. He says, a while back, I was fighting uh, how to do backups between Synology with hyper backup and across different networks and all of that. And he says, I ended up using zero tier, but now I know many folks use WireGuard or simply TailScale to accomplish that. And that is the, the right way to do that. If, if you know, creating your own private LAN that knows no boundaries is, is what TailScale does, right? It's magic. Yeah. Well, now Paul has the magic for us for the public. He says, Cloudflare Tunnels allows me to do similar things without opening up firewall ports for specific tasks or having to rely on the speed hits of other companies' servers. And he sent us a YouTube video that I've linked in the show notes for us all here. What Cloudflare Tunnels does is you uh, you install a, a like a, a little app on one device on your network. So if you have an always-on server like a Mac or a disk station or a Linux box or whatever – you install their little thing and that deals with, you know, connecting you to the outside world. Then you go and set up your tunnels and this is all free on Cloudflare. I mean, you can pay for, for more, but I think you get like 50 tunnels for free or something, which for if you're doing this for your home network. And then you go to Cloudflare and you attach, you have to have a domain because it's how this works. But then you can do like, you know, I, I, do, I haven't done this, but I, I could do, you know, Synology drive.macgeekgab.com. No ports need to be added or anything. And I go put that in Cloudflare Tunnels as the public address. And then I tell it, okay, point this to, you know, 192.168.1.5 on port 5001 on my local network. And when you guys or anybody visits that URL, which doesn't exist, so it's it, it don't. Try, I mean, you can try it; it's going <laughs> to fail. But if you once you when you visit SynologyDrive.MacGeekUp.com, if I had set up that tunnel, it would put you directly in touch with only that port on that device on my local network. So it's not like I'm exposing the device to the world, right? Uh, I don't have to do port forwarding. 
I don't even, it can all be on, it could be port 443 for all I care. You know, it can do HTTPS. Cloudflare handles the HTTPS for you. So it's basically being a reverse proxy, uh, but you don't even have to know what a reverse proxy is. And it just, it it does it on the, uh, and it's Cloudflare. So, you know, they, they run half the internet nowadays. And uh, so, yeah, this blew me away. It's worth watching the little video uh, to uh, to see how it works. It's like a nine minute video or whatever. And you can on YouTube, you know, you can just like with podcasts, you can watch it like one and a half speed. Highly recommend it. Uh, so there's another quick tip for you. But uh, but yeah. So Pete asked the questions that I missed. And I've got I, the one question I have is so let's say that uh, let's say that domain did exist. Sure. Uh, and I were to get there. Would, are you limiting to one folder? Say no, no. I'm it's one station. service. So you, if, if let's well, say, I didn't ask my question, right. If, if, if I go there and you've pointed it to your disk drive, uh, your Synology disk drive. Yep. And are you, you opening your whole drive on that port there, or just, are you limiting it to a, a given folder on that drive? Right. So it, I, I, I pro Synology drive was, I, I should have said maybe Synology office. Right. Because okay. because that's that's an easier example without confusion. So, yes, yeah, Synology okay. Office, you'd point there and then it would only be Synology Office. You wouldn't be able to get to any of the other things that run on my disk station. Um, gotcha. But so it's it's by service, essentially. I mean, it's it. Think of it as like port forwarding. Right. If it Because sure. that's essentially what's happening here. It's just port forwarding that the user never even like. They don't they don't have to go to a specific port that you're then forwarding to another port on your network or whatever. You're not opening up the whole device to the Internet. It only is seeing traffic from the LAN. It just so happens that this one thing, it's really cool that, and it's public. So it's like tail scale ish, yeah. Yeah. but it's for public stuff. Now, if you don't tell anybody the URL, it's not public, you know, security by obscurity. Right. But right. Uh, but that makes it easier for you to get into your network, too. In the event that you can't get in for whatever reason. So, yeah, yeah. it's a cool thing. I, I, um, yeah, he blew my mind. So it's, I, I have a well, feeling this yeah. is going to be like tail scale that we talk about a bunch. So did you mess with uh, Cloudflare tunnels at all, John? Nope. Okay. All right. Uh, I've done tail scale. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, tail scale. Yeah. Yeah. Tail scale. That's, that's that a, is PFM. That, that's, Pure magic. <laughs> that's table stakes these days. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. If you haven't messed with Tailscale, folks, highly recommend it. Super easy to install and get rolling, and then your devices are just on. I use Tailscale on my local network now, only yes. because I don't have to change any URLs. I just use Tailscale. You know, I, I don't, and I don't even use IP addresses. I just use machine names because it's got that whole magic DNS thing. And so I just, that's what I just use. And then it doesn't matter when I take my computer to Vegas next week, I point them at the thing and you're good to go. And you'll be, yeah. Yeah. My head, my new Mac mini headless server. It, yeah. It's right there. I just yep. point to it from anywhere in the world. Point just, to it from anywhere. As long as you're logged into Tailscale. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I have a little bit of show and tell to talk about here. The Easy Quest has this new, uh, I will call it a travel hub. It's not necessarily uh, travel. It it could be um, you, you could you could use it in a permanent setting, which I, and and I'll explain why I'm pointing that out. But it, it's called their USB C multimedia seven in one hub, and 
it's got a built in uh, built in cable to it, which I like because that way, you know, you, you, you don't have to worry about losing your cable or anything, but it's a long enough cable. And uh, and then it's got uh, so it's got two USB A ports that are uh, five gigabit a piece. And then it's got one, two, three USB C ports, which are five gigabits a piece. Or one of them can be power delivery in the other direction. So this is where I say, and then it's also got gigabit Ethernet and HDMI. So you got two USB-A ports, three USB-C, and one of the USB-C is uh, dual purpose. So if you are plugging this into, say, your Mac Mini or your iMac that's just plugged in all the time, then that third USB-C port is a five gigabit port and you're good to go. If you put this in your bag with your laptop... And you set it up, say, at the hotel at, you know, CES when you get there, then this USB-C port, you can plug all of your stuff into it, including your power adapter. And now you've got your extra screen, your microphone, all that stuff plugged into this hub. You plug the hub into your laptop. And then when you're ready to leave, you unplug the hub and walk out the door and for the day. You wouldn't want to leave the hub behind, uh, you know, for housekeeping to have to deal with. But uh you know, when you, after you leave and have to lost and found it, but, uh, but yeah, leave for the day, everything's set up. You're good to go. So, uh, it's from easy quest. It's the USB-C multimedia seven in one hub, and you can pre-order it today. It's shipping in January and it's 70 bucks. So I like That's it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. The ones I've seen only have the one USB-C port and it's basically a pass through for power. And it's so frustrating. It's like, I need more ports. I need, I need the USB C ports. Yeah. I'd like yeah. the, like the, my, my previous travel hub has been the OWC one uh, because it's, you know, it's a reliable hub. I like theirs that has like the, there, it sort of curls the, the cable in the bottom. But, uh, but, you know, it's only got the one USB C port. I need more of those nowadays. So, right. yep. Exactly. Yep. All right, you know, if you're like us, when you're trying to find a cause for your symptoms, what you do is you start asking chat GPT, right? Because that's what we all do these days. And you stumble down this rabbit hole full of like iterative stuff and you, you don't know what you're finding. Then maybe you try on TikTok and yeah, like there are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not randos on the Internet or some A.I., ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. You know, surprise twists and tangents might work for podcasts, but maybe not so much for medical care, you know what we're saying here. With ZocDoc, there are no alarms, no surprises, and no tangents. Choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need. To do it, go to ZocDoc.com MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-G-G, ZocDoc dot com slash M-G-G, and our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Listen, it's 2023. The holidays are behind us. A new year is ahead. There's just one more gift to be given, and guess what? 
It's for you. Give yourself the healthy and delicious gift that keeps on giving all year long with our sponsor, Wild Grain. Wild Grain is cool. It's the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Unlike typical supermarket bread, Wild Grain uses a slow fermentation process that's easier on your belly, lower in sugar, and rich in nutrients and antioxidants. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. We've done this. We got, uh, actually, we got a bunch of stuff from the first thing that we used was this loaf of ciabatta bread frozen, right? Because that's how it comes. That's how we kept it in our freezer until it was time. We set the oven for 20 minutes because that's what it told us to do. And then 20 minutes, well, we put it in. And, and then 20 minutes later, we had this delicious soft bread. I mean, it tasted like we just baked it ourselves. And I guess we did, but we didn't have to make it and then bake it. That's pretty cool. To kick off the year, Wild Grain is offering delicious products such as an ancient grain sourdough loaf and fresh artisan fettuccine pasta. All you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com slash MGG and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often it's easy to reschedule, skip, or cancel. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off your first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash MGG to start your subscription. You heard me right. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash MGG. That's wildgrain.com slash MGG, or you can use promo code MGG at checkout. Our thanks to Wildgrain for sponsoring this episode. All right. We talked recently about uh, your headless Mac Mini, Pete, uh, that you yes. just mentioned. Well, yeah. we have some more advice for you in terms of getting the screen uh, to be the resolution you want, even though you don't have a screen connected. Listener Rob says... Uh, there's a reason for this issue that you're having where the screen size uh, you can't control. He says on Intel Mac minis running headless, the GPU is not fully engaged, which limits your choice of pixel counts. You can activate the GPU and get access to more and bigger screen resolution options by tricking it using a monitor adapter. And he says, I learned this trick from the folks at Mac mini Colo because they have tons of headless minis there. <laughs> Uh, and he recommends some sort of nerdy uh, solutions for the the uh, the the dongle. But John, I think you 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 and and a couple of our listeners stumbled into some some sort of mainstream ones, if you will. Yes. Um, so Craig told us about the uh, from our uh, friends at OWC uh, the newer tech headless Mac HDMI dummy plug. Cool. Makes uh makes your Mac or whatever think that there's a monitor plugged in, and I and it's resolutions one, right, and that's it. One it's that hope. simple, huh? You just plug it. There's no like, it's Ronco. Set it and forget it, and it, it uh, catches fish. I ordered one, but I I haven't got it yet, so I don't know. Okay, okay. Um, but it's supposed to be coming, and I I was looking for it on Amazon. I thought I ordered it on Amazon. I don't see my order, or I put it in the show. If I can find where I got it, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. But um, <laughs> like I say, it's coming today, and yeah, you supposedly plug it in, and it and it puts a certain amount of resistance across that plug, and it tells the computer, "Hey, you're there." Yeah. And then you can. Pete, I lost you there for a second, and and that's the core audio stuff in Ventura because I pulled up the website for this, so. Right. 
uh, I lost you for about about a second and a half there. So uh, you, you said you yeah, just plug it in. Is that right? My understanding, yeah, it's a little HDMI dummy plug. Plug it in, yeah, in the back, and it, and it puts a certain amount of resistance across whatever pins, and Amazing. it makes the computer think it's got a monitor on board. Yeah. So I'll uh, see if I can find uh, where I ordered it. And okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> Uh, we've got we've got the newer tech. For it. Yeah, I was gonna say we've got the newer tech uh, link in the um, okay. in the, in the show notes. But but if 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 Amazon, yeah, it's it's eight dollars and eighty cents at Amazon. That's, so that's where I got it then. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I will put it. that link in the show notes so that okay. you folks can just go right there and uh, and do it. So perfect, amazing. That's great. Yeah, eight bucks. Okay. I see. I, this is what I love about this show is finding these little things that make a huge difference for some of us. Not certainly not, yeah. not all of us, but yeah, for some of us, yeah. if, if you're doing it, it matters immensely. And if you're not doing it, you don't care. Uh, lastly, listener Robert, uh, different from Rob shared, uh, some thoughts about this. And he says, uh, he was in that scenario once he plugged in a seven inch HDMI video monitor for, used for a video camera rig and using a magnifying magnifying glass got through Mac OS setup. He says, I don't think you can do setup without having a physical monitor uh, attached. So he also recommends the Luna dongle, which is like sidecar for older Macs and is they created support specifically for using it with headless Mac minis. It's more expensive than the newer tech thing. Uh, but if you already have one uh, or can use its other features, it's worth looking into. So, okay. Yeah. We'll put a link to the uh, Luna dongle in the, uh, in the show notes too. That's, that's yet another, yet another thing from the Astropad folks. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks for that. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this week, uh, well, we, there, there was, there, <laughs> we're trying to decide folks and you can help us. Who had a worse week, LastPass or Southwest Airlines? Maybe it's a worse month, right? Uh, yeah. But I, I, I want to start this conversation by uh, a- answering a question from listener David, because I think a lot of people are going to be in this scenario, uh, LastPass users f- f- primarily, but, uh, but perhaps even more beyond that, seeing about these hacks. And we'll talk about, we'll dig into the LastPass hack, but... You know us. We like to answer questions. So David says, I've been a Mac user for many decades and the cruft impact is real. I started out with one password and now use Bitwarden with passkeys, which sounds like a good idea. And it got me wondering, at what point should I just start over and use iCloud Keychain? My iCloud Keychain is so far out of date, I literally get prompted with my parents' credentials uh, on a certain website. Uh, I get Keychain prompts. And then have to shift to Bitwarden. My thought is, is there a way to just clean out, dump, and start over with Keychain and then rebuild it across all my devices with all my up-to-date credentials with what I have currently in Bitwarden or just reestablish with passkeys? I tried looking for something on how to clean out Keychain, but I can't find the setting to do just that and not everything else. John, you dug into this a little bit. What um, Did you find any any way to clear out iCloud Keychain? Um. Okay. <laughs> I did find something. So it sounds like what we want to do here is to get stuff from Bitwarden into Keychain, right? Well, I think he wants to to wipe out iCloud Keychain 
and then put the stuff from Bitwarden in. So he doesn't want to just he's he's worried about the cruft. Now, I think and and I'll 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 do this here. But if I were to go into Safari preferences and hopefully it doesn't stop the audio again when I do this. um, But I think in Safari preferences would be the place to wipe out all those passwords uh, is just go highlight all your passwords and hit the minus key. Uh, I mean, I, I think that would do it and you Uh, could, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. And you can export them there too. So you could, that's sort of the first thing I would do is highlight all export all passwords. Actually, you don't even need to highlight them. You can export selected or you can export all. And then, um, maybe from there you can even import, but I don't know, maybe not. You can, you can, you can import export. Yeah, you can import passwords with a CSV file from passwords in Safari or from another password manager. And I, I I know one password can export as a CSV. My guess is Bitwarden can export as a CSV. So, mm-hmm. uh, right? I mean, that, that would be the way. Because that way you're not going into keychain access and messing with all the other entries that aren't just your passwords for websites. Right? But Safari seems to be the place to do it. I, I, that's what I would do. I don't know. Did you find anything else? Um, yeah, and it's, it's involved also. So, so I found a script here, um, uh, import from Bitwarden to a keychain. Okay. Um, over an Apple support and they actually have a two-step process. So they're like, okay, first, um, do something with Chrome and then do something with Safari and then it'll populate it within Safari. So. Why would you have to use Chrome? I wonder if this, this thread this threads from May of this year. I wonder if if the import passwords feature is new in uh, Safari. What version are we on? Fourteen now. I want to say sixteen. Sorry. Uh, I wonder if that's new in Safari sixteen or new as of new since May of this year. Because like I see no reason why you couldn't import the CSV into Safari. It literally says you can import a CSV. So that, mm-hmm. I think that's the path I would take with it. And that's, you know, there's some merit to this. Um, iCloud Keychain has come a long way uh, and now supports two-factor authentication. Obviously, you know, Safari supports passkeys, as do some other browsers. As we head into that realm, we're not, we're not there yet, but we will be. So, like, that's not a terrible path. And it seems on the surface like a pretty straightforward path i'm not going to say easy because you're going to want to you're going to want to like spot check these and make sure that the passwords that you think you imported are passwords that you imported but Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean seems pretty straightforward and then you're then you're in icloud keychain which is icloud keychain i mean i don't know pete i i I can hear the wheels turning in your head yeah i'm trying to i'm this gets deep, right? I mean, this is this is uh, it's the keychain is interwoven into more than just Safari, obviously, and Chrome. Is there not a keychain app in utilities? Uh, there is on the Mac, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so is he always? Oh, and yeah. you could you could go into keychain access to wipe out your your passwords, but there's more okay. in the keychain than just your iCloud, like than your website passwords, which is why. I would do this in Safari because you don't want to wind up deleting stuff like all your airport network passwords, which are also in Keychain, or okay. you know whatever else you might 
I, like, I mean, there's a ton of different categories and you could be safe about it and sort by categories and, and delete, yeah. but why depends bother? how much you want to nuke and pay, I guess. It depends. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I, I was trying to do a surgical strike here. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I see. All right. Yeah. That makes more sense to me then. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, this, as I said, is is timely because of, of the the uh, the information the crazy week we had. <laughs> well the in, I, I i'm trying to i i want to make sure we use the right terms because the updated information that we got from LastPass this week that the breach that they announced in august that was no big deal it turns out kind of a big deal um john you you dug into this too what what it, it and i i think i have a picture of it but but i think you dug more what what did people, what did hackers get? What's out there on the dark web being sold about me? Um, so they exposed some personal information that they had on file, like your name, your address, your phone number. Okay. Um, and a few other pieces of information. I mean, they have, they have a post, which I'll link to, of course. Um and looking at the data that was real, none of it really concerned me. It's like, well, so what? You got my email or you got my name or my address. I mean, that's all public information. So, I mean, it could make me a target. I don't know. Well, wait, wait, um, but wait, there's there's it, far more. Well, yeah. Well, okay. but here's, yeah. So, but here was the problem of what did get released is that uh, whoever hacked them uh, got vaults of people's passwords. And so that's bad. Now, the, the, so they the know that this vault, having, they, just so just so I can paint the picture here and make sure I understand it, uh, they this vault that they got or this, this series of vaults, they they could they can cross reference it and say, okay, this vault that is encrypted, uh, I believe you're going to dive into that for us, uh, is belongs to. John F. Braun in Fairfield, Connecticut, at this address with this phone number and this email. Yeah, mm -hmm. Co correct. That's so. That's what it sounds like. So yeah. it's not just that they have this blob of vaults; they know whose vault each of these is. Yeah, right. that's bad. Okay, that's right. really bad. What they don't have is your master password. So your vault is protected with a master password. Um, if if they try to brute force hack your vault, depending on how good your master password is, that could take a while. Yeah, but if your master password sucks, as most people's uh, do, come on in. Yep, and and it sucks. Like 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 if your password is not one, the, the folks at One Password, obviously competitor to LastPass, put out an article that uh, sort of talks about how entropy is more important than length and and entropy being randomness and i i know i'm glossing over lots of that but you know the uppercase lowercase gibberish is far harder to guess than you know uh this exclamation point is dollar sign my asterisk password period vault comma right like even though that's got some special characters and maybe some upper and lower case if you've got, you know, a password that's based on words, that's way easier for today's engines to crack. Where it gets even worse 
is they know that this password vault belongs to you. And so if they want to get into your vault, they aggregate all the other information they know about you, your pets' names that you put on Facebook, your family's names that are related to you, right? All of those things, where you went to high school, your mother's main name is out there, right? So all of those things come together and now your password might be easy for anyone to guess, let alone people that have the wherewithal to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So the advice that I've seen is make sure you have a good master password. Well, make sure you had a good master password, but since there's no time machine, make a better one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's good general advice, but for people who used LastPass, I, I mean, I think the, <clears throat> the, the advice is at the very least change a hundred percent of your passwords, but first mm -hmm. change your master password to, to something else. Like that's step one and then change a hundred percent of your master passwords. And in that process, if you're going to do that once, and that's a major pain in the neck, if you're going to do that once, maybe do it in a different password manager. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I know you're not going to leave LastPass, right? You're still a LastPass user, John. Yes. And one other thing that you may want to consider. So I, I enabled this a while ago. So uh, LastPass has an authenticator, which is their multi-factor sure. um, solution in that I can't unlock my vault unless I also provide a one-time code that is sent to my phone. Okay. Um, so you may want to consider adding two-factor authentication uh, no matter what password manager you're using. If so if you don't have access to your phone, how would you get into your LastPass vault? Nope. So that's <laughs> that, it. That's kind of the point. Yeah. But, but I mean, like at it's, that it's point. It's a hardware token, if if you will. Well, but is, well, but a phone isn't a hardware token because, because you can, you can easily uh, SIM spoof somebody and that's not the right word that the hackers use, but, but like mm -hmm. your phone's not actually secure, especially SMS, like that can be totally intercepted. Um but if they if you can't get that SMS message, there's no other way with LastPass to unlock your vault. I find that hard to believe. Um, I mean, it could be SIM jacking. Not that I'm aware of. Though, though they offer multiple. Uh, I was looking on their screen, and uh, they support other authenticators like Google and sure. and other ones. So you do have a choice if if you do want to do multi-factor authentication. But um I mean yeah, that that's kind of the point of two-factor authentication, right? <laughs> I mean if, yeah. you, if you don't have the device that provides the token, then yeah, you can't get in. All right. So I, I and and I and, and I'm I'm not going to try and change your mind cuz it's nearly impossible. Uh, yeah. However, <laughs> knowing what you know and being in a position where you're responsible uh, for the advice that you give to tens of thousands of people, the people that listen to this show, I'm going to ask you not, what are you going to do? Uh, this could be a do as I say, don't do it as I do scenario, but mm -hmm. what would you, would you advise people to keep using one password? And I'm going to ask this question of all three of us, but I'll start with you. You mean LastPass? Sorry. Thank you, Pete. Would you okay. advise people to continue using LastPass knowing what we know? Thank you, Pete. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 Pete, if you're going to use a password manager and, um, you know, some of the commentary out there, like, uh, Gruber, 
um, insulted me and lots of other people. But his advice was abandon ship, and if you keep using LastPass, you're an idiot. And it's like, okay. I mean, he might be <laughs> thanks, right, John. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, thanks, John. Well, you know, he's he's. This is how John Gruber is. He 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 likes to be a little bit um, holier than he now. Soft sell it. <laughs> he doesn't soft sell things when he decides not to soft sell them. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with Gruber, uh, in, in, in sentiment. I don't know that I'd call people idiots. Uh, I would just call them, you know, needs more information. Uh, but because, well, I mean, it's, it, the reason I would say not to continue using LastPass at this point is because of how they handled this. I mean, first of all, they're getting hacked left and right. And so there's a long history of this. But then there's the, hey, it's August and we had a breach, but don't worry about it. Everything's going to be OK. It's not that big of a deal. And then, oh, hey, it's December. By the way, while you're all out, like, you know, distracted with Christmas and New Year's, we're just going to, by the way, tell you that, yeah, they have your vaults. And if they have your password, you yeah, I mean, that, that I, I don't like email. how they handled it. Yeah. I mean, they, they communicated this to their customers via email. Yeah. And yeah. So I think, you know, I got one. A while ago when the initial event and they're like, yeah, stay tuned. And then they updated the information, I think, in their blog. I don't think I got an email with the update. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm even worse. I'm with you in that the way they communicated this was poor and that if I didn't travel in certain circles, I would never know about it. That's the thing. Or probably not know about it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. So with all this in mind, though, it really got me thinking about password managers in general, because stored on the, the issue here. I mean, there's there's many layers of the issue. Uh, there's the way LastPass handled it. But then there is just the bare facts that. Your password vault is stored on LastPass's servers. My password vault is currently stored on one password's servers. You know, it used to be that I could sync my one password vault via Dropbox. Like they didn't have their own thing. And instead of using Dropbox, I used my Synology drive to sync my one password vault. And then I controlled that cloud. It wasn't on their servers, but now it is, you have to use their stuff. And I'm not so happy about that with Apple's you're using Apple's cloud to, to, you know, to, to store your vault. Yes. It's stored and transmitted in an encrypted way. But it is stored over there on a computer I don't manage. I would love, and maybe there's a way, and if there is, somebody tell me, feedback at MacGeekGub.com. I would love to keep using 1Password because changing password managers is a pain in the neck, sort of. Um, but maybe not as much of a pain in the neck as we thought, given what we just talked about a couple minutes ago. However, uh, Bitwarden is a password manager that you can store on there. So you can pay them and, and use their servers as your, your password vault cloud. Or if you have a machine that you can run stuff on like a disk station or a NAS of other, of other brands or, a, you know, a Mac that's running all the time, you can, I think, yeah, because you can do it in a Docker container. You can run Vault Warden, which is the open source Bitwarden vault manager that you run on your, uh, your local, you know, um, network and you can have, uh, you know, vaults shared or data shared between other 
users. So it's not like you're just syncing for yourself. You know, you can have passwords shared, which a lot of us do with our families and stuff now. And I think that's why one password had us move to their servers was so that we, they could, we could have multiple users log in and you can control permissions. You can do all that with Bitwarden. Now I have a Vault Warden server set up that I set up years ago and I tried to import things into it and failed miserably and was like, yeah, that's it. But last night I thought, you know, it's still running. And so I cleared out the vault, uh, which wasn't as easy as I would have liked it to be. Maybe I need to find an easier way. And I exported uh, a one password export. And it turns out Vault Warden's import has gotten better over the years. And they can take not just a CSV, which certainly they can take, but they can take the one password backup format and slurp it in. So, uh, so maybe, and it, it pulled in most, I will say not everything, but it, like it, 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 there's some stuff that's missing and I'm not sure why. And I need to dig into that, but I might, I might just move to Bitwarden and, and, you know, control my own density. So mm. evidently, uh, Stacy Swingle in the, in the comments somewhere here while we're doing this live Facebook. Facebook, thank you, uh, says that uh, they are still using 1Password with Dropbox syncing. But my guess is you can't share passwords with family members and things like that because that's how that works. But I think that may be 1Password 7. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that you can do it with 1Password 8. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, You know, the funny thing is I don't think – I consider myself semi-tech savvy and I don't think I – I would agree Maybe with I that. I just wasn't paying attention that 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 uh, vault with one password is in the cloud as well. That yeah. is incentive enough to to leave it. You know, I'm sorry because the yes. advice I have, if I was using LastPass, it would be run, don't walk uh, away. It's easy um, for you to say because you're not using LastPass, right? Now that being said, I am right. using one password, and and if if I'm in the in the cloud with my vault, then that's done. That's over with. I will clear it out and I will, I will run Bitwarden. I had, I had used it once before, but I went back to one password because it was easier to do across with the whole family. And now I'm going to, you know, it'll take some research to get everybody up to speed. Yes. Lots, lots of those discussions you don't like to have with your wife. You know, why are you changing this? <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. But the, the other thing, uh, the advice for obviously everybody who uses LastPass is and John, I'm prob- I'm guessing you've probably already done this. Is gone and changed your passwords that are in that vault, so that's crack my vault. It's it's no longer no no longer valid. No good to you, right? If they crack um, your old vault from August or whenever that happened, yeah, yeah. Oh you yeah, you need to change your passwords right away. And then I did put on the um, I, I put the link in the show notes to grc.com/slash/haystack. Yep. Where you know Steve Gibson talks about how you know entropy is good. But also, he he talks about using padding. So if you use a repeating series of two or three random symbols, you know that sort of thing too. It it makes it more easy for your human brain to remember, but it makes it awfully difficult if you if you have the ability to throw in a thirty two character, I thirty seven characters. I'll tell you right up front, thirty seven characters on my Gmail password. <laughs> Go hack it. Good luck. And oh, yep. by the way, I use two-factor authentication. So yeah, right. So You're even if they get it. that, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. No, I so. I use a password for my one password uh, vault that is completely random and it's long and it's gibberish. And you know what? After typing it for years, I, it is in my Muscle fingers, memory. man. Like yeah. I, that's the last thing I'm going to forget before I die. I'm pretty sure. Like yeah. it, you, you know, it's just there. It's totally random. 
And yep. you could guess it, but it would take a lot of guesses. You know, like there's no pattern to it. It's not English. It's not any language it's, that I know of. Maybe I've invented a language. I don't know. There you go. Yep. No, as is mine. It was randomly generated by one password at one point, And I went, okay, I'm going to use that as my master password. Yeah. And it's. All right. So, well, we're, we're, well I'm going to pull the ripcord on this, but with one last question, uh, John, we need to answer the question. Whose month was worst, LastPass or Southwest Airlines? Just an answer. Um, Probably Southwest, since uh, from what I can tell, lots of people, more people were impacted or been attacked, as far as I know. Oh, I don't think that's true. I think, I mean, there were, there were a couple thousand flights canceled. I, I, mm-hmm. I think LastPass goes way beyond that. Pete, okay. who had a worse month? Um, from a public relations standpoint, I think because, because LastPass has been so quiet about it, I think, I think Southwest is, is ticked off more people publicly up front right now. That's fair. There's a, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people out there, I think, that uh, may be affected by the last pass debacle that don't even know it yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think Southwest survives this this particular oh, debacle. Yeah. I'm not convinced. La- I think LastPass has less of a chance of surviving this. That's a good point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, make sure you get backups of your passwords because if LastPass doesn't survive this and you do choose to continue using them, that may simply not be an option in the future. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, right. and that's something that's something that should be done no matter what password manager you're using. Agreed. You can export every now and then. That's a great that's a great piece of advice. All right. Moving on to some of your questions. John, you want to start us with Gray? Gray says, I have a problem with messages on my M1 iMac running Mac OS 13.1. The issue predates the OS version. Messages fail to deliver texts, as in the example in the screenshot attached. Both texts were sent to the same iPhone. The green bubble from the iMac, the blue message bubble from my iPhone 13 Pro, running iOS 16.2. I have labeled the phone number as an iPhone and the contact card. I have tried unchecking the messages service in iCloud on the Mac, as well as signing in and out. It happens with several, but not all contacts, some of which have have iPhones, some Android phones. I was hoping the upgrade to Ventura would solve the problem, but not so much. Would appreciate a suggestion. Um, and I made a suggestion. Uh, whenever I had problems with messages, um, it's usually due to a configuration not being quite the same. Okay. Uh, so on iOS, look in settings, messages, send and receive, and make sure the info, be it a cell phone number or email, is selected. But probably more importantly for this this case is uh, there's also a start a new conversation from hmm. um, setting. And the same info is also on messages um, on the Mac is in messages setting iMessage. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. All right, and I suggest that 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 wasn't it, but it pointed them in the right direction. Um, uh, So the configuration settings you alluded to were the same on my Mac and iPhone, but another setting on the iPhone caught my eye. Text message forwarding. Um, Yep. And apparently that had to be enabled for uh, his Mac was previously not on the list 
of uh, machines in that category. Once he turned that on, that seemed to fix the problem. Yeah, yeah, that's for uh, iMessage will work because iMessage is a a you know data only protocol, for mm. lack of a better term. Whereas uh, the uh, SMS is it, it has to go through your phone, and so. It, you you need it to forward from your phone to your devices and you can pick which one. So yeah, that's a, that's a great, great piece of it, um, of advice. So yeah, I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, good stuff. I'm glad, we, I'm glad that was able to get solved. Jeremy has a tip for, uh, for you, John, with your, well, for anyone that finds themselves in the position that mm. you found yourself in with not being able to control your Mac that didn't have Bluetooth. Yes. Um, so in the last couple of shows, there has been talk about having Bluetooth often problems um, with Bluetooth mice and keyboards. Listening to the URM recap of iOS today, they mention universal control to be able to operate multiple computers with a single set of input devices. I wonder if you've tried that with an iPad that has a keyboard or pointing device connected. Um, I tried it a bit today on my Mac mini running Vista. I mean, Ventura. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nicely done. And an older iPad pro running 16.1. Unfortunately, I didn't have much luck with controls in either direction. Uh, and even the Apple support article on the feature doesn't appear to be completely updated for how Ventura actually works. Thought I would share this as a possible option. Um, okay. Yeah. There's universal control. Now, unfortunately, I was, I was able to control my iPad from my Mac, but I wasn't able to go in the other direction because I don't have an iPad with a keyboard or pointing device. Yeah, so. But you have another Mac, and can't universal control uh, be used right, right. from Mac to Mac? I mean, I've had that uh, problem when when the Mac in the office mm-hmm. on a different floor decides that its mouse and keyboard now control this one up here, and I have no idea. Like, it should put something on the screen that says, hey, I transferred control to the other device. Because I've had this happen a couple times and, like, was lost until... Probably months. Not, I mean, I wasn't just sitting there for months trying to figure out how to work, but I would force mm-hmm. reboot the machine and like all these things. And finally, once it was like, hey, uh, I have an idea. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Not, I've, yeah, I've done it from Mac to Mac as well. And yeah. Actually, what uh, during one show, um, all of a sudden my cursor disappeared and I'm like, where'd it go? It went on my MacBook Pro, which is to my far left. Yeah. 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 Dangerous. Dangerous. It should tell you when it's doing that. That's just, that's my, it's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have another opinion that I'd like to share. And, and we, in fact, we created a group in or a channel or whatever you call it in our discord, um, uh, Mac, which is at MacGeekup.com slash discord called fish shakes or MGG fish shakes. So CarPlay, Apple maps. I, I know you don't have CarPlay, John, but Pete, I think you do, right? Okay. Pete's nodding yes, but his mic's muted, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let him uh, fix that problem. But uh, so there we go. Yeah. You have to be on the Streamyard page to unmute. Sorry. Okay, so <laughs> when I say I want to go home in Apple Maps, I get a dialogue presented to me by CarPlay that says mm-hmm. alerts only or something else, whatever it is. Go, I think it's is like what full it is. audio. Yeah. Well, it implies full audio, right? It says alerts yeah. only or go. And it always gives me these two options. 
If I choose alerts only, then it doesn't tell me when I need to turn left and right or whatever. It, it just like, but I can see it on the screen, which is fine, whatever. However, it sets maps in that mode until I take it out, even days later. So if I turn off alerts or alerts are off because of this alerts only thing, and then I say, you know, I'm out and I say, I want to go home again. And I get that dialogue that says alerts only or go. Those two buttons do exactly the same thing. This is very unApple like, and I can't believe it's still there because no matter if it's already in alerts only, if I hit go, it stays in alerts only. You'd think I, as the user think when you present me with two options, one is, is going to do something different than the other and it should take me out of alerts only if I hit go because the other option is alerts only. I, I, I know you don't have an answer for this, but I, I don't. I, I could have I could have sworn there were three buttons up there. That no. one, one was like oh, alerts only. There is full, full in instruction. the instruction in the upper right. Like once you're yeah. in once you're in navigation mode, you can then go on right. the right and change it. I'm talking about when you are entering navigation mode and specifically yeah. to home. It gives you two right. options, alerts only or go. And well, if you're already play with that in about an hour, then <laughs> all right. Yeah. Right. I head home and I'll look at that and see what that is. Cause yeah. the other thing I I've always left it in alerts only because my Apple watch taps me when I got a t- coming turn. Oh, I turn that off, man. That drives oh, me crazy man. when I'm driving to have my watch oh, tapping me. That way I don't miss a, don't know why I don't miss a turn. <laughs> I get it. No, I, I understand it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I yeah, it's like yeah, we all are yeah. different humans. Yeah, that's why I do it. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. There, so it, yeah, it drives me crazy when I when my wrist is tapping while I'm trying to drive. I don't know why. It's such the thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for taking me. Thank you for my coming to my TED talk, and thank you for letting me vent. Uh, now that I vented, John, we have Bob, which is he brings up something. It sort of brings together sort of uh, the, the, the answers from the question for Gray and Jeremy, sort of topically. It's thematically related. Save me, John. Sure. So Bob says, here is a complex trick for logging into multiple message accounts on the same Mac. No extra software needed. Uh, summary, you're going to start a screen sharing session over an SSH tunnel to another account on your Mac. Uh, you can't normally screen share to your current Mac without some obfuscation. Otherwise, screen sharing will complain with the message you cannot control your own screen. Oh, yeah? Um, However, if you use SSH to create a screen sharing tunnel, you'll be able to start a screen sharing session to another account on your Mac. Um, And then he has some uh, magic here that you can type into the command line. and he's using port one, two, three, four, five. Uh, so the one, two, three, four, five in this is an arbitrary high number TCP IP port that you randomly pick. It can be anything, but I suggest the five digit number less than 65534. Uh, hang, hang, uh, hang on. You've lost everybody. I, I just want to make sure people understand there's an SSH command that you have to uh, issue in order to create this tunnel back to your own computer. And we have put that SSH command in the show notes at mgg.fm slash 962. And, and yes, that port should be somewhere 
above 1024 and lower than 65.534 so that you don't have to mess with root. But you'd go to the terminal and you do this and then you would issue the next command that John's about to share that's also going to be pasted in the show notes. Right. And that would be VNC colon slash slash localhost colon one, two, three, four, five, or and, whatever five digit number you just did in the last command. And you you don't issue that at the terminal. You issue that by going to the finder in the go uh, menu yes. and connect to server. And those instructions mm-hmm. will also be in the show notes. Uh, and, and that connect to server dialogue is an interesting one because you you can put lots of different things in there. Obviously, this is mm-hmm. an example of using VNC. You could put an SMB URL to connect to an SMB server. If you still have an AFP server, you can put an AFP URL. You can put an FTP URL in there. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think you only get read only for FTP. I don't think it lets you do writes. Uh, at least it didn't used to. I haven't tried it in a really long time. But um, yeah. So any more to share on that one, John? Uh, no, I think that that uh, pretty much does it. Sweet. Fun stuff. Uh I like that idea. And those SSH tunnels, I remember when I first used them, it felt like voodoo because it kind of is. But as as John explained, you're just creating a uh, you're pointing back to your computer so that you can do things that your computer might not let you. You can log in as though you're coming from somewhere else. It's really what it what it sort of sort of does. I don't know. You want to take us to Barry? He's got a geek challenge for us, John, which turns into Um, a double geek challenge, I think. Yes. Um, in Safari using Ventura, how do you get the name to show with the icons in the toolbar? I'm sure it's there somewhere. Uh, there used to be a checkbox that would toggle this. Um, well, I don't know. I couldn't find it. <laughs> um, I, it doesn't seem to be there, man. I, like in, well, I think you-, you found an article that basically says, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the, and, and I, since everybody's heard this now twice, I, I would just say to you, John, I think you're talking behind your pop filter. Cause we're getting a lot of plosives in your, right. uh, yep. Um, but, uh, I, like if you go into Safari and you go to view customized toolbar, it shows you a toolbar with labels and it's so that you know what these things do, but there's no way to get those labels back uh, in the toolbar to see them, or at least <laughs> there's no menu item to get those labels back. Mm. But is there like a terminal command where you can issue defaults, right? Something to get those labels back. We don't know. Do you, I don't know. Feedback at MacGeekup.com. That's where I would go with it. Feedback at MacGeekup.com. I think that's where I would go. Yeah. Uh, where are yeah, we look here? at that. I, You're I'd right. Why do they have it there and not in the other place? Right? <laughs> I, right? Yeah. What do you, you, did you have something there, Pete? Sorry. No, I was just saying, that's where I'd go, is feedback at macgeekgap.com. It's a good place uh, to go. Yeah, that's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tony has, uh, an interesting question. It's sort of relevant. I mean, it, we're traveling. Some people are, you know, traveling soon. He says, uh, I know you've talked about various data plans in some of the shows. Uh, I know Dave likes Mint. He says, but here's my situation. I live in Thailand and I'm going back to the U.S. for about a month in February. I have a U.S. number through Hushed, 
Hushed, you asked. We're going to come back to that because that's an accidental cool stuff found. Wait, wait, hushed? Hushed. Okay, coming back. Yeah, okay, we'll come back. I promise. He says, uh, the two people I talk to most have FaceTime, which is how we communicate now. I have an iPhone 12, so I can use eSIMs and dual SIMs and all that good stuff. He says, I don't think I'll need a lot of data since the people I'll be staying with have Wi-Fi. That said, I have no idea how much I would need. Uh, it would be mostly for communicating when I'm away from the home networks. I don't think I would be streaming much over cellular data. I'll be in California and Oregon if that matters. He says, I checked Mint Mobile, but it seems like they're focused on long-term plans. I, uh, he says, I tried consumer cellular. Uh, and that seems like a possibility. Do you have any thoughts or can you refer me to episodes that discuss this? Yeah, I, 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 the thoughts would be the same regardless of where you're traveling. In fact, I would share these thoughts with someone in the U.S. who has run out of data for their current month on their current plan. And that thought is to use eSIMDB. eSIMDB lets you search for Data and voice, but they're sort of focused on data, but they, they they let you find voice plans, too, if you want anywhere in the world. And you can narrow it down by country or not. You can buy global plans, but you can certainly narrow it down to the U.S. Anytime we've talked about eSIMDB, it's been from our perspective as U.S. people who have U.S. phone numbers and are traveling elsewhere. But eSIMDB is is uh, location agnostic. It doesn't care. And so you can use eSIMDB to find uh, data plans in the U.S. as well, data-only plans in the U.S. as well. And like I said, if you're a U.S. person like me, and if you run out of data halfway through the month because you wound up, you know, streaming or, you know, your uh, your podcast manager decided to download every episode over cellular data, even though you told it not to, <clears throat> uh, then I would use eSIMDB to find you know, a two week plan that has enough data to cover me and, and pay five bucks or whatever, because it's going to be way cheaper than paying your carrier for the overage uh, if if you're on a data limited plan with your carrier. So. So, yeah, eSIMDB is where I would go with that for sure. I don't know. Oh, that's, no, that's great, because the one time I ran over before I went to Unlimited on Mint. Yeah, it was it was Kind of expensive for that the amount of data you got. Exactly. That they're not expensive for much, but that was kind of like, ooh, that's that's going to be. It's just cheaper to go to the unlimited. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's so that's what we've done because we've had a couple of inc incidents like that. You know, where yeah. somebody just, I mean, it happens, right? You know, yeah. you you run up against your 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 what you've paid for, and it's like, okay, well, I could pay them for more, or my phone does dual sims. Like, pff, just do what I would do Perfect. if I was traveling somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I, um, you know, we're going, I mean, obviously we're going to CES, my mint plan will work there and I've got plenty of data left for the month that I'm in. Uh, but then in January, I'm going to Italy and for a little bit. And then in February, I'm going to Mexico for a little bit. And so I started looking at plans. I was like, wait a minute, I shouldn't buy two separate plans for this. I think there might be a global plan that's cheaper for than buying country specific data uh, as long as it lasts long enough. But I think I found one through, through eSIMDB that's like a 365-day plan. And then I started thinking, maybe this is a good thing to do every year because I think I can get like, I don't know, 15 or 20 gigs of data for 365 days for like, um, it, was, it was like 30 bucks maybe. So it's like, oh, should, I just, it away. should wow. I just do that every year? And and then yeah. and no matter and it's a global plan, so no matter where I travel, I just use that, 
And then I make I have to make sure I turn it off because it would also work in the U.S., but I don't want to burn it here. But it is that sort of overflow data if I wind up running against my limit. Like, I don't know. There, There's the, the, the gears are turning. The, the light bulb is is starting to, to fizzle, you know, zzz, zzz, uh, you know, like there's right. there's something happening here. I don't know. It seems like if you travel international a little bit, it might be worth just doing a 365 day plan. So I got to look deeper. I got I got to make sure that I got to do the I, math. I might look at that. I've been using that that little yeah. MiFi thing that for my international data. But, but yeah, check eSIMDB for a 365 day plan. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah. How hard is it to turn? I haven't fudged with it in a long time. How hard is it to turn on and off that second SIM? Oh my gosh! So first of all, it's you, in settings. I assume it is in se- settings cellular. You won't see it until you have a second SIM installed. Got but it. you can set it. Like if your plan is only good for, you know, Europe, let's say, uh, then you can set it to just not roam and leave it on all the time. And it won't work here in the U.S. It will work when you're in Europe. You can set Mint to not roam. Mint won't work when you're in Europe. but will. So depending on how you do it, it can just be automatic. You can set, I think, I know you can set like, I don't think you can set per app, which app uses which one, but you might be able to. But it's pretty. I bet there's something in shortcuts too. You yeah, could probably well, geolocate. You know, yeah, and turn. and you just go and and turn it off. I mean, it, you'll you'll yeah. see it at the top of your phone that there's the two things, and it'll tell you which one it's on. So sure, it, you know. So it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. But you're right, shortcuts yeah. might be yeah, geolocation shortcut. Huh? That's I like these ideas. That's good. <laughs> hey, um, we're almost out of time, but I promised that we would talk about hushed which is uh, essentially this cool stuff found that Tony talked about. It's uh, a second phone number app uh, and they call it a temporary and second phone number app for data calling, texting, Wi-Fi. Uh, you download the hushed app. They have uh pre-played pre-played mm. prepaid plans. Uh, it, it started like two bucks a month and they have bundled minutes and SMS for calling and texting. Uh, yeah, so it's a pretty cool thing, and you get an actual number that's yours, you know, for this, which is pretty cool. Wow. That's slick, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was, I, I I'm going to circle back to something else real quick, just because you mentioned it and you said you didn't know. You can FTP, right, in Finder, but you are correct; it is read only. Good to know. Okay, all right. So, well, all right. So I'll keep on using Transmit for my uh, yeah. for my FTPing needs. I guess I got to put transmit in the show notes now. See, yeah, there you go. Oh, it's good. Then I won't mention forklift. <laughs> oh, no, that turns out <laughs> forklift is now also in the, the show notes. And I definitely won't mention. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Forklift from Keep binary. Dave, how fast can you type? <laughs> well, you know, I can type pretty yeah. fast. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Oh, but I am going to pull somebody. the ripcord on this. There you go. Yeah. Fun. I the band. Bringing the band in. Band. John, what FTP client do you use? Um, CyberDuck? Really? Is that still a thing? I didn't even it know is. that was a thing. Really? I used to, when I had those problems with uh, forklifts sometime back, I used CyberDuck and it worked, worked good. Really? Is that at CyberDuck.io? Am I linking to the right thing here? I think that's correct. It's a Libre server and cloud storage browser for Mac Windows with support for FTP, SFTP, Amazon S3. Yeah, sure. There you go. What is a Libre uh-huh. server? Uh, who knows? 
something. Oh, listen, this nice. That, I yeah. just tried to launch it. Cyberduck is damaged and can't be opened. Well, wow. maybe it doesn't like uh, Ventura. Oh. Hmm. Personal server. Libre servers, small servers, enables you to run your own internet services independently. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, here we are at the end. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Thanks. I went to launch CyberDuck. Sorry, Dave, didn't mean to interrupt. I went to launch CyberDuck, and it says new <laughs> versions available. So, All right. Good to know. All right, I'm done. I'm you done should, talking. No, but 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 that tells me that you don't run Mac Updater, which you should be running. Or I hate to say the word should, which I highly recommend we all right. run because it keeps all your stuff up to date so that those apps that you don't run but once a year are updated when you run them yeah. as opposed to it telling you, hey, I'm way out of date. I'm not going to work. I thought Clean My Mac was doing that for me in the background. But See? Clean My Mac. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Uh, All right, that's it. I'm hitting the uh, thing. That's it. We're done. Uh, (laughs) Please check out our sponsors (laughs) at, uh, well, go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. That's really the best way to get there. ZocDoc.com slash MGG and WildGrain.com slash MGG. We had some of their bread again last night, man. It's really good. Fun stuff. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We might record one from CES. We don't know, but we'll certainly be back on the night. John, you've been quiet. I hope nothing happened to you. Do you have some advice for people? The advice that I have for all of you, except you, um, is <laughs> don't get caught. <laughs> May not.